Hey, before we get started, guys, I just want to let you know there is brief talk of eating disorders in this episode. So if that would make this a tough listen for you, skip this one. Hi, guys. Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. Um, Let's start off with a little bit of show business here. Every month, you guys know that I donate some of the Patreon uh, dollars to a place that needs it more than I do. Um, and I kind of like figure out what that is every month. Um, by the way, the Patreon is at patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Um, there's cool stuff over there. I do a, a weekly bonus episode on a series that you guys choose. Um, we are right now we're doing celebrity rehab. We're very close to the end. And so we'll be choosing a new one um pretty soon i also do random bonus episodes i did a the way down episode i'm pretty sure i'm gonna do an episode on the uh, this cult uh documentary i just watched on stars um yeah I, the, the, we do a lot of cool stuff over there and one of the coolest things we get to do is we get to take some of the money that you guys give me every month and give it to somebody else and this month, your, I just want to let you guys know, your money went to a lot of places. Um, I don't know where I got this from. I couldn't have made this up, but I call it small blessings. And that's like when you give micro donations to lots of places and mostly GoFundMes and Cash Apps and calls for donations. Um, I know a lot of people don't like doing that because they're like, I'm not sure where the money's going. Truth is, you're never sure where your money's going. Even if you're donating to actually an established charity, um, you have no idea where your money's going to. The point is intention. And I know this is ridiculous. I know you guys hate when I get a little woo-woo, but this is how I feel. Everything that goes out comes back. And whatever I need, I give away and I'll get it back three times fold. And so it kind of doesn't matter about whether or not, is this person going to use this for food? I, well, they said they needed food and I can like give them a little something to go towards. It's a small blessing. It's not 500 bucks. It's not a thousand dollars. It's a small blessing. Um, so sometimes I like to just go through GoFundMe and, pick out some things I like and just give them a little something. This time I went through Twitter. I just so searched donate and pulled a few things. And uh, in in the end, we ended up donating to some funeral expenses, um, a sex worker who's not been able to work lately and um, has some upcoming bills, someone who has been living with their grandparents since COVID started and just they need a place. They can't stay there anymore. They've, gotten abusive um a couple of people just uh that are just trying to crowdfund for rent i think we donated to let me just look because i think i got i think i wrote down we some of them oh we donated to the kellogg's workers that are striking we donated a little bit to theirs we donated to uh, some medical bills for someone We, we donated a bunch of places um but the reason we just, the reason, the reason I decided to do that this month is because, yeah, let's just spread it around. 
I am like, I don't, I don't have words to express how grateful I am to this podcast. I, I don't have words to express. Because of this podcast, I have a Patreon that pays me a significant amount of money every month that allows me to create space and time to talk about niche reality TV shows. And just saying that sounds fucking ridiculous, right? But I have it. And because you guys are so, like, awesome, I'm able to do this every month. Um, So I just want to say thank you to everyone who's a member of the Patreon and everyone who just listens because listening is important too. If you guys would like to support this uh, podcast, the Patreon's a great way to start. It's five bucks a month. There's a lot of shit over there, guys. A lot of shit. Um, But... If you, if you can't or don't want to, that's cool too. I would love it if you guys would follow me on social media, on my personal um, handles, which is Okay Then Princess on um, Twitter and Instagram. I'd love it if you followed me on Instagram. Um, follow the show at um, By Pumpkin Podcast. Sorry, I just saw, I saw a shadow at the corner of my eye. I just had to make sure I wasn't about to be murdered. Um, yeah, by Pippin Podcast on Instagram. Follow me there. I post updates about the show. Um, I let you guys know when new episodes are out, either on the main feed or on uh, the Patreon. Sometimes I just post um, collages of shit I find that I'm thinking a lot about. Um, that's a cool place to follow. You can also, like, you know, what really, really fucking helps is leaving me a review. Um, take some time and leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I don't remember where I used to listen to podcasts before then. I don't remember. Wherever you listen to this, stop and give me a review. Tell people why you show up every Sunday. Tell people why you get on here and get through like 45 fucking minutes of me talking about season three, you, spoilers, TLC, not the network that ruins families, but the girl group. And like TikTok, and then listen to me talk about an old fucking show from the early aughts. Tell people why that's important to you. I did that on the bonus episode this week. Um, like I said, we're doing celebrity rehab over there and we're almost done. It was a fucking two and a half hour uh, podcast episode. And 45 minutes of it was just me chilling. <laughs> but explain to people why that's a good thing. Um, and I'll be forever grateful. I like, even if you don't do any of that shit, I'll be grateful. I'm just happy that today you've let, you've downloaded me or streamed me into your ears and I just fucking appreciate it. And if you guys have a little extra cash right now, go do a couple of small blessings, go and go fund me. See, see if you, if something catches your eye and throw them 10 bucks, 20 bucks. It's doable. Go, go on Instagram and just search donate and see what kind of shit comes up and what, what speaks to you and what you like to, to, um, give us something to. feels good guys. Anyway, um, we're on, we're talking mob wives guys. The today's episode is called of dogs and men. It's season two, episode 16. We're in the home stretch for mob wives guys. There's this episode, the season finale. And then I'm, there's like two reunions, but obviously no one needs two episodes for a fucking reunion. I'm going to like breeze through them and do an episode where I just pull out the most interesting parts of it. So including the episode you're listening to, we probably have three 
episodes left in this season of Buy Pumpkin. I, what season of Buy Pumpkin this is? I don't know. Is it eight? It might be. And then we have to figure out, well, I have to figure out what we're going to do next because for the main episodes, the ones that are free, I decide where we go. And for the Patreon episodes, the ones that you guys pay a monthly little something, something to get, I let you guys um, vote on. And in terms of what season nine of Buy Pumpkin's going to be, I'm not sure. I'm thinking a lot about Charm School. I love Charm School. I want to do the Rock of Love Girls, though, because they're I like them better. Um... I also have been thinking a lot about doing season four of Real Housewives of New Jersey just because I recently rewatched it and I have been talking about it nonstop. I might as well do a podcast season on it. I'd have to do like two episodes a week though. So that's something to think about. I also thought about doing an early of an early season of like Teen Mom, OG or Teen Mom 2. I just don't know. And... um I got to figure it out soon and I will. And when I do, I'll let you guys know. And I'll probably, what I'll probably do is I'll probably put the, the things that I don't um, pick on the poll for next for the next bonus series. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Um, but in particular, this episode, Drita, we start with Drita in the kitchen with that dog and she's teaching it tricks. The dog's name is Lucky. I still think the dog's name should be like Lamont or something like that. Like Lamont's a really good name. Um, like on Twitter, whenever they do black people, tell us what Jesus Christ's middle name is. Um, I always feel like it's Lamont, Jesus Lamont Christ. Like that would be, you know, whatever, but you know, sure. Let's just name things lucky. That's fine. (laughs) So then Lee calls to ask for money. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's asking for money. And Drita tells him about her doing a void, um, like a uh, verse on the French Montana remix. So she clarifies She's on the song. She's on the remix of it. I didn't care enough to go look for it, to be honest. She she says that everything she's doing, modeling, rapping, being in music videos, are things that Lee used to always be like, you should do that. You should do that when they were together. And so it's interesting that he's in prison now and she's doing it. She tells Lee that she's going to date and he says, good luck. <laughs> Which is kind of how I felt. I was like, uh, I don't know, Drita. Do you want to date? <laughs> I mean, she's been along, alone for a long time. So, what, five years? Four years? And uh, so I understand, but also, like, do you? <laughs> I don't know. I just really feel like, um, I, I, first of all, I don't know how I ended up in this long-term relationship. I have, I'm a mean person. I got a mean face. I got resting bitch face. I don't like anybody. I don't like most things. <laughs> I don't want anybody to talk to me. I don't know how I got here. And I just can't imagine me wanting to do that again. And also the way people talk about dating right now is a hellscape. Although I'll take, you know what? Now that I said that, I need to remember that people talk about like being married like it's the worst thing that ever happened to them. And for some of them, it is the worst thing that ever happened to them. But they'll just be like, you know, when you get married, it's like having all your problems, but then having more problems too. Then you have their problems. I'm like, that's not like being married. When you get married, it's like, you know, you have to give all your money to someone. I'm like, no, that's not true. Or they'll say, I saw a tweet recently that was like, um, being a mother is just having a big fight every night. 
every night. You're mean. I don't want to. Big tantrum. I'm like, that's not true. Or I'll say this. It's not that those things aren't true. It's that it doesn't have to be that way. And that you get to make the, you guys get to build the life you want. We all do. And so if you don't want to um, fight with a five-year-old all night, you just have to make that choice and then do what you have to do to get there. If you don't want to be in a marriage where you have to give all your money to somebody and have no say about what happens, then don't get in that, don't do that marriage. Don't do that. Don't marry somebody like that. And don't, and don't set up your marriage that way. I, so I guess I just answered my own question. Like when people talk about dating right now, I'm always like, that sounds fucking terrible. But remember, I don't have to do shit I don't want to do. So I won't do whatever that is. And then it won't be terrible. So I don't know. Why am I talking about dating? My husband's in the other room. He's going to run out here and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but when my husband dies, eventually either because I killed him because he got on my motherfucking nerves or he dies because, I don't know, he ate six pounds of bacon and fell out. I don't fucking know. Whatever the cause of death is. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be looking for anything. Um, I was talking recently about a relative I know that's in her 60s and has a new boyfriend. I was like, kill me if I'm looking for dick at 65. Kill me if I give a fuck about a dick. (laughs) Or a pussy. Kill me. (laughs) Kill me. (laughs) And that's not to say that like, in your 60s, people don't have, people have sex, guys. People have sex into their 80s. Like, people fuck, guys. Um, I used to watch this show on HBO. Was it HBO? I think it was called Tell Me You Love Me. And it was a lot like in treatment. It, it was, it was uh, therapy sessions. And the therapist was an, was an older woman, I 60s maybe 70s and all the all her patients and I don't know it was a really graphic show about things people were going through and one of the the one of the the segments would be on the therapist and she'd be like fucking her husband on like a table (laughs) she was like in her in her 60s I used to watch a show like that. I'm such a fucking old lady. Um, But, like, people have sex. I just can't imagine, like, prioritizing, like, a relationship of any sort in my 60s. Like, like a dating relationship. But I said that about the Sex and the City people, too, right? Remember uh, when I was rewatching Sex and the City and I was complaining about um, just the fact that these are, like, women in their 40s, late 30s early 40s I'm assuming right because Samantha's like 50 in the movie right but they the way they talk about relationships is like how people talk about relationships in their 20 I just felt like they were doing shit that you would do in your 20s like making mistakes you make in your 20s that you that you're like you're too old for now and prioritizing relationships in a way that I can't I'm 41 and I can't imagine being like 38 and being like I just gotta find a boyfriend I'm like I don't know um later when we get to Joe 
and Carla, I'm going to talk more about that. But I just, I think women uh, who get to their late 30s or early 40s without being partnered up are more set up than most to be fine, you know? So, like, what are we thinking? My husband's going to die in the next, like, three years or something? No, that's not true. <laughs> but if, you know, if I make it to my 60s and I start to, and I'm single again, I'm just going to have, like, booty calls. I'm, I'm, definitely, not, I'm definitely not dating anybody. Ugh. All right, let me get off of that. Um, Drita doesn't really like, because um, she says, do you hope I find someone nice? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, of course. And Drita really doesn't like that because it makes her think of how they used to love each other and him being nice makes it harder for him to leave, her to leave. Because the reason she doesn't want to be with him doesn't have anything to do with his bad personality. And Lee has a bad personality. I'm not saying that he can't be nice and he didn't woo, uh, he didn't woo Drita. I mean, I, I wasn't there, but I'm sure it happened. I'm just saying the way she describes him is he's not great. You know what? Let's talk about that show physical for just a hot second. I want to like that show very badly. It has, I feel like it has all the moving parts of things I would like about the show, but I don't like it. And the reason I don't like it is that I have a very hard time understanding why I should care about anything that's happened. Um, I, I feel like they got a great set. They're doing a damn thing when it comes to like, uh, what is this, the, the the early 80s? And, well, no, it's maybe the late 60s, 70s, excuse me. I feel like they're doing they're doing a great job with the, with the wigs and the set pieces. I feel like that's all great, wonderful. But parts of the story, I'm like, what? Why is this important? There are no stakes in it. So essentially, uh, Rose Byrne is... A woman with an eating disorder who, uh, I guess, checks into a hotel to purge, to binge and purge at the hotel, and has to do this has has basically blown away a lot of money. Okay, and then her husband wants to run for, I don't know, city councilman or alderman, something. Um, not a senator, not a, uh, he wants to run for something locally and he wants to use that money, but she, but she did, the money's not there because she spent it all, uh, binging and purging, which is not unusual. Like you hear about stories about people who like get kicked out of their sorority or kicked because they ate like two months worth of food in one night or something like that, or like are in financial ruin just from buying food. And like, you hear about stuff like that. It's, it's not unusual. It's not like unheard of. What I don't understand is why she want, like, what are the stakes? You want to keep your husband? Why? Every scene he shows up and he's terrible. He says the most awful things to her and does the most awful things and not like beats her or like, I don't know, does coke off their kid's head. But like, just straight humiliates her in front of his his hippie dippy friend. And like, just like absolutely for like, very obtuse, you know? 
and doesn't and and like says really mean like anytime he shows up he's not great and so I'm having a hard time I'm I'm gonna stop trying to watch it I have started and stopped I got I think I got through episode five it's probably 10 episodes it's on Apple TV um it's probably 10 episodes but I'm I'm gonna stop trying to make myself watch it because every time I do I get more and more confused I'm like this just feels like they were like, Rose Byrne's going to be super skinny and she's going to have long curly hair, long curly retro hair, and she's going to be in spandex a lot. And then, then someone was like, write a story around that. And I don't know. Nobody checked it. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why she's hiding aerobics. Is it that like exactly what a suburban housewife would be doing isn't that kind of the thing she's a very skinny woman is that like a thing that just happened like her caring about like exercise is is that like something you can't tell your husband and and it's hard for me to like even think like well you don't he has no money he has no power He's not good with the kid. He's not good with you. She and I did see an episode where she said he's the most brilliant mind she's ever, and she does love him. And I'm like, he comes off real dopey though. He 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 doesn't seem like a brilliant mind. Why don't y'all write him as brilliant then, so that I can be like, she is mesmerized by like I used to have a a relationship where we were just really just brain fucking each other. We just loved to like sit around and like talk about shit and like debate shit and like like we I mean he was also an alcoholic <laughs> but it didn't work out but like we would just sit around like drinking and debating stuff and writing things and like we would write stuff and and then we'd switch and like then work on each other's if we had like I understand that but the, I how do you have that with him he seems very dopey I I I just don't get it. And so many people I know really, really like the the show. The The inner dialogue about how, um, like, she's not a nice person, right? But she's a person that forces herself to be nice, which I already don't like. But, but fine. Um, but her inner dialogue where she talks about her eating disorder and the shame and guilt and also where she's doing things that she does not, that like she knows are bad things to do to people, but she's gonna do it. Like that, that's written very well, but everything else around it is not. Like props to the props and costume and costumers. Pro- props to the, them, they're doing, they did such a good job. The, the eyeglasses are really good, like all that shit. But like, it feels like they started with the costumes and the wigs. And then somebody came out and fleshed out this inner dialogue part. And I was like, that's very good. And then they wrote the rest and and they only had like a little bit of time to finish the rest of it. And I, was, there's, I just don't understand what we're doing here. I'm going to stop myself. I'm going to stop trying to force myself to watch it. I just, the reason I keep trying to force myself to watch it is that I keep thinking, I keep thinking I'm missing something. Right? And And like... I'm like, no, no, no. If I just like sit down and watch it, I'm really going to like it. But that's not, it's just not true. Um, But the reason that comes up is like the husband in that is that 
every time he's been on screen, I'm like, I don't understand why you want to keep him. I don't know. She doesn't like him. He doesn't like her. He's, he's kind of like, he's just kind of a dick. Like at one point she's, cause she's from an affluent background and he's not. Um, he's also Jewish, which I guess is a big deal because, uh, it made her parents upset because, um, they're the type of people that would belong to a club that would say that Jewish people couldn't get in. And so she married him to get back at her apparently. And her parents apparently. And so she wants him to come to this like country club type thing and he doesn't go. Instead, he goes off with his friends and drops acid, like, trying to fuck these teenage girls and, like, throws a party in their house while she's, like, stuck somewhere trying to raise money for his campaign, which she really has to do because she she spent a lot of money for, that was supposed to go to the campaign stuff. Like, And she gets there, and her house is, like, full of people. Her teenage babysitter is, like, I don't know, drinking a fucking beer. Uh, his hippie friend is making fit, frying fish. And her kid is like in the, and it's just this big party. And he just didn't even show up. And like, she's upset with him about it and telling him about it. And he's just like, basically that she's like being a bitch. And he doesn't even call her a bitch. It's basically that she's just like, you know, maybe she needs a nap. I don't know. He's just super, like there's nothing on screen that shows me you want to be with that man. And I feel the same way about Lee and Drita. I know I only, we've only heard him on the phone, but I just, he doesn't seem like a catch. But again, you know, you like it, I love it. Says a woman that neither likes it nor loves it. But yeah, uh, it's hard for Drita. So Karen and Ramona go have some coffee to talk about whether Karen should meet up with Drita and Ramona isn't having it. She says that them getting together would actually make things worse. Karen says she wants to clear the air, clear the air, put it on the table, then put it to bed. Ramona says that's cute, but Drita is a different beast, and you might as well put the trash out with the trash. They keep calling her. The way Ramona talks about Drita, it's very obvious that what she is saying is that Drita is not one of her kind. Okay. And it's, it's subtle. <laughs> I think it's subtle anyway, because I mean, she could be saying all kinds of things about Drita, but, um, but the thing that I think, I think it's a dog whistle and it's like, she's not one of our kind. She did not grow up in this lifestyle. She's Albanian, not Italian. She grew up over there in the projects. They grew up as rich girls, Ramona and uh, Karen. And I, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ramona seems like, now, now, uh, this is not a bullying situation, okay? Uh, I feel like these people are all evenly matched. It's not a case of someone dogpiling on someone um, or anything like that. But it comes off mean girl, okay? It comes off like, go back over there with your kind kind of thing. And I don't love it. Um... Karen says that she cares about Ramona and if this will make things easier, not Ramona, she cares about Renee. And if this will make things easier for Renee, it's worth it. And Ramona says she hopes it goes well, but it probably won't because Drita is a quote unquote different breed. 
and she doesn't know how to talk. And that's why when she hears something she doesn't like, she starts fighting. According to Ramona, Dorita never thought she'd have to face her past and that when Karen starts telling the truth, it's a problem. Um, and she tells Karen to fuck her up if, if Drita gets handsy and Karen says she will. And to that, I'll say, I say we'll see because I don't know that Karen is, uh, I don't know that in a fair fight, Drita is, uh, Karen takes Drita. I just don't. Um, but when they talk about facing the past and everything, what they are talking about, of course, is that, um, it is, if you go by Karen's story, it is hard to understand w- why Drita thinks that Karen is overreacting. Um, I, I, and, and I'm, you know, I said this last week, I said this when this, we first got into this shit, that I do not believe that Karen has dibs on Lee. I don't think Karen wants to have dibs on Lee and could possibly, I don't think she could have dibs on Lee. Uh, Drita is married to him and has two kids, okay? And has been married to him for, what, 10 fucking years? How old's Aaliyah? 11, 12? She's been married to him for over a decade. And so, like, that is water under the bridge. But Karen is right that Drita was in the wrong. And that, and I believe that Ramona is right and that Drita is embarrassed, embarrassed because she never thought that she was going to have to have this conversation and certainly didn't think she was going to have this conversation on VH1 on Monday nights. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that there would be people on social media, people in the streets, people in the clubs that would have things to say to her about whether or not whose side they're on. Um, But the one thing we're not going to be able to do is say it didn't happen because it did happen. It did happen. And uh, I'm sure Drita would dispute this, but if Karen is telling the truth, Drita and Karen were friends and they were friends for a long time. They were friends. They were friends and they were friends while she was dating Lee and, and, uh, a right thing to do. Not even right. I don't want to say right. Cause right and wrong is, is very black and white here, but the, but a straightforward thing to do would be for Drita to call, to have given Karen a heads up. I'm like, yo, you know, uh, just so you know, me and, you know, I know you're over there pregnant with Dave and everything, but, you know, uh, I broke up with my boyfriend, me and Lee been hanging out, and we're probably gonna, we're probably gonna, like, start dating. And I would say that after we've been dating for four months, because I knew that, and I knew that I actually needed to have this conversation, and not once we locked eyes across the room. I wouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. But once I had, uh... Once it was clear we were going to make a go of this, I probably would have, I would have been straightforward with Karen. Be like, yep, that's what's going on. You want to talk? You want to meet over at the Piggly Wiggly and fight about it or whatever? I mean, what's up? (laughs) And then let the shit go. And Rita was just like, nah, I'm not going to see that bitch again. She had no idea she was going to be on a TV show called fucking Mob Wives. (laughs) Fucking 15 years later. Um... Big Angie and Carla go out for lychee martinis and Carla lies and says that she and Joe aren't anything romantic or whatever. That's a lie. Guys, we are, I, I bet my mortgage on it. Joe and Carla fucked and fucked a few times <laughs> after he got out of jail. And I don't, and why not? Why the fuck not? As long as she was not trying to get back together with him, why the fuck not? He was cute. He's got, he had a nice butt, man. He's got dimples. I'm into it. Let's do it. It's <laughs> okay. 
You already had sex with him. You got two fucking kids. You don't see anybody. He's not seeing anybody. Yeah. Don't let the kids know about it because they're going to try to get you guys back together. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on upstairs, yo. See if you can fix this thing on my headboard for me. And then like, let's do it. <laughs> but she's lying when she says they weren't romantic. She says he's not very around very much. When he first got out, he was there all the time. And now he's not like that. And she says he rushed, that he was trying to rush her to get back together. And she was hesitant. And I was like, right, which is why you just fucked him a little bit. <laughs> and Carl talks about how in their marriage, he just wasn't great. And then he was off to jail, their prison, while she had twins. And they were babies. She said they were in high chairs when he left. And they're, so what are they, like, what, seven, almost eight or whatever? And it was six years? I mean, damn. And, you know, after he gets locked up, after she goes through that part of, like, okay, um... I'm assuming Joe was the breadwinner in the family, brought in the significant amount of money. And um, so that's not happening because now he's in prison and you have to do the stress of like his trial and all that bullshit, him getting arrested and trial and blah, blah, blah. And then now he's in prison and his income doesn't come anymore. Now you have to figure out like either how to replace that or match it or whatever. Um, her kids were babies. I wouldn't be surprised if Carla had been at home with him. And, um, and you got these two babies to raise. And then, after all that, you find out your, your husband had been cheating on you multiple, multiple, multiple times throughout your marriage. And you're not super surprised because he was never fucking home and did all this other shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I understand why Carla left. And big props to her. But, and so I also understand why when he gets out, although it's cute and everything's loving it and, you know, sure, I'll throw you a fuck once or twice. Maybe even five times. I don't know. <laughs> but, but what's going to be different? Probably nothing. Um, she says if he had stayed home once in a while, been a family man, she'd probably still be with him. And I'm not like, I don't not believe Carla. I mean, everybody else did it. I don't not believe her. Apparently, the son called him to hang out and Joe blew him off and Big Ange asked if he has a girlfriend. I mean... I, I would have been upset too because you have literally not been here for six years and now that you're out and you're out of the halfway house and you're able to do things, you really do need to like prioritize these kids as you bond back with them and and like, you know, do all the things that you've been missing out on. I would have been like, unless you were at work, I would have been like, why can't you hang out with him? He waited six years for you. Come on. Um... Big Ange asks if he has a girlfriend. Carla says she doesn't know. And Big Ange says that always sidetrack the men's. <laughs> and Carla says if he's spending quality time with a girlfriend instead of the kids who have been missing him for six years, she's going to be pissed. Big Ange, in her next scene, is buying her son AJ a chain for his birthday. I'm sorry. One, apparently he's 23. He looks like he just got out of pain after 15 years. AJ... Every time AJ gets on the screen, I look for my purse because I feel like he just robbed me. This, he is a definition of shifty looking, guys. Shifty looking. And I don't know if that's because he's actively using drugs. I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone was like, yeah, AJ had a really bad heroin thing going on at that point. I'm like, oh, okay. That must be what my spidey sense is like going off on. I don't know, but he... Every time he's on screen, I'm like, oh, my God, something bad's about to happen. <laughs> Where's the neighborhood crime watchers? <laughs> Wherever you need them. 
Um, yeah, they just, you know, she wants him to settle down, and he doesn't want to. And She says he wants, he, maybe he should get, like, 23 girlfriends. And she's like, maybe you just need one nice girlfriend. Listen, if you're a nice girl, the last place you want to be is around AJ. <laughs> then Renee takes her AJ and his girlfriend out to eat and go bowling. She says that AJ's been withdrawn and had bad grades since his father cooperated. Sure. Okay, but don't don't also forget that you made his life super hard at home. Where you're going through your drug shit, you're rolling around the floor all night smoking fucking Newports and screaming into the phone and shit. And then screaming when he shows up and I don't know, them probably trying to get in bed with him. I, like, I, I don't doubt that the shit that went down with Junior and his grandfather isn't easy, okay? I also don't doubt that like, uh, it's a big story. He's, he lives in Staten Island, it's a big story. I'm sure people have shit to say to him. I'm sure his mom being on this reality TV show doing her shit is is not helpful to his teenage life. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. But the thing is this, Junior's in prison and you're at home with AJ. And if someone had to ask me, are you escalating or de-escalating like AJ's stress? And help or helping AJ through the situation or making or adding more work to him. I bet you're adding more work to him. And this is why I don't respect Renee. I just really feel like Renee is like anytime something happens with AJ, Renee's like, it was Junior, it was Junior. And I'm like, it was you too. Right. It, Junior wasn't around. Right. Junior had a baby on AJ's mom and the and the timeline's weird with his brother when they look at their birthdays and shit. Got it. But you also talk nonstop about Junior all these years you guys went around. Junior was constantly coming over to fuck you and then pat AJ on his back, on his head as he walked out the door, but then not showing up to the baseball game and stuff. You would have, uh, I mean, this wasn't on the show, but I just, listen, I, I, I know Renee. Renee absolutely had AJ call his dad and ask for, and ask for money and be like, Mom says that, he's like, you know, in the fucking second grade. Mommy says that um, you need to bring some money over here and stop spending it on your horse. Like, absolutely. Absolutely did fucking drive-bys a la uh, Danielle Staub uh, on the fucking kids. On, 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 um, with the kids in the car going around Junior's house seeing whose car is out there and whether he's there and what, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... Junior has not been a good father. I don't think Junior ever became a good father. I don't, I don't, don't get me lined up on here. I think Junior obviously is not good for AJ or good to AJ. Not saying he's abusive, but I'm saying that like he's not around and he's not someone to count on. And because he and his mom get into so much dirt, you know, so much shit together, you know, all your dad's dirt too. You know, some of us, not us, I'm not going to count myself in it, but some people get to grow up and think their dads are like awesome people and only find out when they're in their 20s that their dad had another fucking family. AJ doesn't have that experience because every time his dad does something, his mother's screaming about it when he gets home from the fucking third grade. And yeah, so Junior, Junior's not a good father, but Renee, you don't make anything easier. 
you're not that great of a mother. And I'm not saying Renee doesn't love AJ. Renee loves AJ as much as somebody who cares only about themselves can love a child. I believe that. AJ is her life. Um, but she, when she thinks about AJ, it's to serve her and not to serve him. And that's tough. AJ's a reflection of her. What AJ's doing, what he's going to do when he's older and stuff like that. Those are all about her and not about what would make AJ happy. And so when she's saying AJ's having a hard time, I'm like, yeah, but let's not lay this all at Junior's feet. You know, maybe he's doing, maybe Junior's the big reason AJ's having a hard time, but you're the ongoing reason that AJ's having a hard time. I bet you AJ goes to other people's houses and sits in their house and watches like their mom and dad interact or maybe you know plenty of people have single parents just maybe their mom there and goes oh it's like fucking 5 30 your mom's not drunk uh pounding newports at the fucking kitchen table screaming into the phone wow interesting like i bet you aj goes to other people's homes and maybe you know maybe their houses are just the same but when he goes to people's houses that that have functioning like relationships and actual mother son relationships in which uh there is not emotional incest there and that she is not relying on you to be her her husband uh I bet you it looks weird to him and I bet you it also looks good to him like damn I wish I could have something like that but I don't even know if I can handle it I haven't even I've never had a relationship like that you know um so yeah, they go bowling and um they have fun. AJ smiles. <laughs> I, whenever AJ smiles and laughs, because AJ is usually scowling <laughs> and yelling. <laughs> whenever AJ smiles, I'm like, oh thank God, AJ's got a smile. And then Renee brings up that she got a call from the school that he was not doing well with his grades. And I don't know, like Renee, why would you think this is a good idea to bring this up here? <laughs> Let's pretend like the cameras aren't there, but they are. I mean, why are you trying to embarrass him on TV? You know, teenage boys are, can sometimes be a fucking mystery. I'll say this though. Don't, when you hear hoof, hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras, okay? Because a lot of times, me especially, likes to concoct a story and then enjoy believing it, even though it's not. But... It's always the simplest things, the simplest things. But yeah, teenage boys can sometimes be really hard to like get a read on in terms of feeling. So I don't know that AJ would say, I'm embarrassed. Um, you know, like a teenage girl would be like, mom, you're embarrassing me. But I don't know that he would say that. But like, it doesn't matter. We're on national TV, on VH1 on Monday nights. I don't remember what night it was on, but I'll just say Mondays. And, and he's already had to go through all this shit with, you've already rolled around the floor for like six episodes. Now, you take him to get the camera there and then go, so I heard your grades are bad. Like, what the fuck, man? First of all, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, he's not Giselle's age where all the stuff you talk about is just like minor shit, you know? Giselle didn't draw a puppy at school, whatever. He's fucking 17. He, he, there's a, a certain amount of privacy he needs. You know, I talk about my kids on, in, on social media and on this podcast a lot. And I'm always going to talk about my experiences being a mother. But the older they get, the less I'm going to talk about their very specific experiences. Because 
there is some privacy afforded there. And like right now, um, they don't mind when I talk about stuff. I mean, we've had conversations and everything. But, you know, Turtles hit middle school next year. And the experience he's going to have, I'm going to have to be less and less detailed about what I talk about. Unless, and I really do try to talk about my, what I'm going through in reference to them as opposed to what they're going through. And I'm just a passenger. I don't like to do that. I, I like to try to find a way to talk about my experiences as opposed to their experiences. But as they get older, it's going to be, I have to talk less and less about them. They should be afforded more and more privacy the older they get. And I just don't think at 17, I feel like at AJ's age, I would ask him, would he be okay with us filming this scene? Maybe Renee did. I don't know. I don't know. But I just think that one, being on the camera talking about this is like not a good idea. And the other thing is, let's pretend the camera's not there. Who the fuck? You, his girlfriend's there. You guys are out in public. Why are you bringing up his grades? You're having a nice time. You want to spend time with him. Why are you bringing up his grades right now? A bad subject, a sore subject, a subject where you have to correct or criticize him. Like, don't do that. This is something you talk about at home. We're fine. Um, AJ says he doesn't want to hear it. Duh. <laughs> and Renee says she he he's going to hear it. And then the girlfriend says, it's just annoying to have someone bugging you, you know? Molly, you in danger. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck your name is, but you're in danger. Don't don't comment on this. Hold his hand, and then when you guys are, like, riding in the car tomorrow or making out, let him call her a bitch in front of you. That's, don't do this. Don't, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. Because, one... You're talking to Renee about her husband of 17 years. <laughs> and she don't want to fucking hear it from you. Renee's face when that girl said was like she was going to eat her. <laughs> Renee says she's trying to be a good mother. And AJ yells, just go. Because it's her turn up or whatever. The boom. You know, he, she just says he wants him to have op- she wants him to have options when he graduates. Yeah, I don't know. I also think that like she wants him to have options in life, unlike his father and stuff. Like, like jun- part of the reason Junior has a life of crime is because he didn't. What else was he gonna do? And so she wants him to graduate high school. And I understand. I think for me, I would like my children to graduate high school too. I w- I think that should be our bottom bar goals that we're going to graduate high school and then we're going to figure out what we're going to do and what we need to do to get there. So I understand why Renee wants that for her son. Yeah. And so like what Renee needs to do is be realistic in the plan. Right? So here's the deal. AJ's grades have never been great. So we just trying to get AJ to pass. Like AJ's not going to Harvard. He's not going to be the valedictorian. None of that shit. We just don't, we want AJ to walk. So what does he have to do to walk? What classes does he need to bring up? And what does he have to do? What does he have an F in? Because if he gets a D, he passes and he, he can go. And get, I promise you no one will ever ask you about your grades and your, your, your high school transcripts, except for a college you're trying to go to. But nobody in an actual job will be like, and so what did you get in, um, in um, high school chemistry? <laughs> to get a job at, at, at you know, at the fucking McDonald's. That, that's not how it goes. So, and then ask him what he thinks he can do. And hold him to that. And support him. But at 17, he has to, there are things he has to do. 
Like, you can't hold his hand and go to the school with him. It's not, it's not possible. I don't think teachers will let you do that. I just don't think that. I just don't think so. So, but that requires us to have a conversation in private to make a plan together. And he has to know that I am, like, on his side and I'm going to support him. And not that for us to have this conversation for your girlfriend in a bowling alley. And, like, this is dumb. So, um, Karen is feeling herself because the, her book is done and the spa is open and now she wants to get Karina in New York. But remember, Karina is not only excited about coming. So she brought Dave to New York to talk about it. Dave's her baby daddy. And she's very flirty with Dave considering they aren't together. And I'm like, okay, so you guys fucked. Is that what's going on? You guys, you guys had sex and now you guys are thinking about whether you get together or not. Um, Dave's from New York. He's from Hollis, Queens. The first time she met him, he was with Jam Master J uh, from Run DMC. And they're notably from, it's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. They're, okay, they're notably from there. Just more shit that I remember from the book. So they sit on the couch and look at each other like they're going to fuck each other after the cameras go. And Dave says... That Karina, he spoke to her today. She wants to come to New York, but she doesn't want to leave her friends in her life. Understandable. She's 12 years old. Um, and Karen says something that's also understandable. Also, though, like at 12 years old, your friends don't get to decide where you live. Um, I have a hard time with this because, like I said, I grew up in a military family and we went where the fuck we went. I also grew up in a family where I had two parents and... There were several children there, and my parents just didn't ask us about stuff. They asked each other about stuff, but they didn't go, what do you think? They just didn't do that. And I remember growing up, I had a friend who was, whose mom, her father passed away, her, and it was just her and her mom. And they would have, like, long, in-depth Gilmore Girls-type conversations about what, like, what they should do. Like, what should we eat for dinner? Where should we live? What kind of couch should we get? And it's because they were in a relationship together in a way that I can't be with my mother because she was in a relationship with my father so like my father was her partner not me and so I didn't decide things like that and so like I don't know I just didn't have control over things and my parents would have never asked me do I want to move to New York they would have let me know what day I was moving to New York if they did that and I think most families work that way. 12-year-olds don't get to decide where we live um, because they don't have jobs and <laughs> they're not going to contribute. They're not going to. But I also definitely understand where Karina's coming from and the two of them should be very sensitive to that. She's 12. She's in middle school. It's hard to change schools in middle school. I, I actually don't think it's hard to change schools in middle school. I changed schools plenty of times in middle school. I, it, it wasn't that hard. You just show up and you go, hi, my name is Princess, and you just move on. And I'm, I, I would change schools all the time. I would just be new in town, and I would go make friends. <laughs> That's it. But I also, I think part of it, I mean, not always, but most of the time we were around other military kids, and they did the same thing. So, I mean, you could cry about it, or you could go to the park and see who the fuck is there, and do they want to be friends? And that's what I did. Um, I also like got, I am a person that's really good at being by herself and, uh, I can go places by myself. I do not need friends 
to chime in on things, to help me make decisions. Usually, um, as I've gotten older, Twitter has, <laughs> has been helpful, <laughs> but, um, that takes practice. And Karina has been in Arizona her entire life with, she's lived with her grandmother, some combination of her grandmother and her mother, her entire life. Karen and Karen's and Karen's mother have been Karina's parents. Dave was in prison for 10 years. 10 fucking years. And Karina's 12. So, yeah. So, yeah, like, very sensitive to Karina, the spot Karina's in. Also, I don't think they should let Karina make the decision about where she's going to live. And I'm... I just think they should make it easier for her and understand what she's going through. Um, so Dave says, am I in the right spot? Oh no, maybe I am. Oh, okay. okay I'm in the right spot. Sorry. 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 Dave mentions that he's been gone for 10 years. Like I just said, and that disconnected them all. Um, he also wants to live his life, he wants to live his life crime free. So coming back to New York, he was committing, he was selling drugs and committing crimes in New York before he moved to Arizona with Karen. The reason he moved to Arizona is because Karen went back to Arizona and found that she was pregnant while she was there. And that prompted Dave to move back to try to like make a go of it with her. Um, he says that Karina misses her and he misses her. And I was like, all right, yeah, so you, you've definitely already fucked. And um, then we see Dreed and her friend Nicole meet up to talk about her meeting up with Karen. She wants to tell Karen that she's doing this for Renee and to show her kids that she can be an adult. I want to know if Dreed's kids have felt the effects of this show yet. Because, you know, she keeps saying we need to do this for our kids, show our kids we can be an adult. And I'm like, did you go home and tell your kids you got into a fight with Karen? Or did they see it on TV? Did they, did they see it on TV? Are there kids at the playground that are now that are being like, oh, your mom's on TV. They're always fighting. She got that big vein sticking out of her neck. Is that what's going on? Because Giselle and Aliyah don't need to know that you and Karen are in a fight. And also, like she keeps saying for our kids, for our kids, for our kids. But Aliyah and Karina don't know each other at all. Wow, if Aaliyah's 12 and Karina's 12, um, Karen left Lee. They just, they, they were on and off, back and forth. Um, they moved, they were living in Arizona together. They moved back to New York together. There was a lot of drama. And she, they finally broke up while Karen was still selling weed in New York. And that's kind of where she met Dave. She was giving out her weed samples. And, um... She starts dating Dave and she gets pregnant pretty early. So that means that Lee and and Lee and Drita were married. Yeah? When they got out of Leah? Maybe not. But that does mean that Lee and um Drita had Aaliyah the same year or around the same ish time as Karen had Karina. Which means that unless they got pregnant right away, they were still fucking. They were fucking when Karen was still in New York. 
Karen was running around Manhattan selling weed while Drita was in Staten Island, which makes the story even less, like, even less believable. Like, you, it wasn't like she left town and you didn't know where the fuck she was. She was right over there. So, I never thought about that. But yeah, but those kids don't know each other because they've never been friends. Karen and Drita have never been friends, friends, during, while those kids have been alive. Um, so I just wonder what she keeps saying, which is like, you know, for our girl. And she's talking about, she's got to be talking about the TV. Um, so Nicole suggests they don't talk about anything from the past. Drita agrees. She says it's ancient history. She's leaving Lee. She doesn't care. She doesn't think about any of the fight at all. Um, and the problem really is Ramona. She says Ramona's trying to keep them from making up and she's going to prevent them from doing it again. Well, let's take a step back here when she says it's ancient history. She's right. It is ancient history. It is. It's over with. It's, it's done. <laughs> um, but... The issue, I think, is that Drita will not admit what she did. Now, remember, closure is for you, not for them. You don't need someone else to do closure. So the fact is, Karen can just let the shit go. She can just be like, yeah, I'm going to let the shit go. And I'm, and that's what happened. I don't want Lee and blah, blah, blah. I can let it go. But Drita cannot say that Karen is being unreasonable and not moving on because Drita hasn't apologized. I see. I have a hard time forgiving people who ain't fucking sorry. I have a hard time forgiving people. Period. But forgiving people who ain't fucking sorry. How am I supposed to forgive you? You ain't sorry about nothing. So Drita does not want to. <sighs> Guys, I don't know if I talked about this in the main feed, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it again if I have. Just sit through it. The way to win any fight is to actually fucking apologize. <laughs> admit what the fuck you did. Like, if you really did, admit what the fuck you did. Just say you did it. And apologize. And ask if there's anything you can do to make things right. And the person is either going to say, yeah, I want you to do this, and you do it, and then they have to let, they have to, then they're the bad person because you did what you asked and they won't forgive you. Or they're going to say, no, I'm never going to be able to forgive you. I hate you. Get away from me. Then you don't have to talk to them no more. Either way, it's done. But you keep walking around pretending like the shit didn't happen is not gonna make it go away. Most people, and this is and this is coming from somebody who's done a lot of bad shit in her life, a lot of fucked up shit. I, I've made a lot of mistakes from being stupid, from being selfish, from being scared. Most people just want you to admit that you fucking did it, they, and they will move on with you. What they don't, what they won't move on is you. Dipping and dodging and getting upset every time somebody meant like, yeah. And then once you admit it, right? Once you just say, yeah, I fucking did that. I, that was fucked up, man. I don't know why I did that. I was drunk. I, I was in a bad place, but I know I shouldn't have did it. It was wrong. I'm not going to do it again. If you give me a chance, if you give me another chance, I'm not going to do it again. And if there's something I can do to make it right, if there's money, I'm going to give it back to you. If it's, if it's an opportunity, I'm going to try to replace it. I'm, I'm, whatever it is, I'm going to try to make it back. I'm going to try to make thoughtful amends. I use that word all the time for my kids because when they make mistakes, the only thing to do is to try to fix them and then move forward. And then once you do that, 
you don't have to fight about it anymore. Because if they come up there like, yeah, because Princess, you did this. I'm like, yeah, I did. We talked about that, remember? That's it. Well, it was really fucked up. Yeah, it was fucked up. Well, I'm mad. Okay. Yeah, man. I'd be mad too. Like that. <laughs> there's no like. There's no going back and forth because you don't have to try to convince them that it wasn't that you didn't do it. That it wasn't fucked up. That they shouldn't be mad. You don't have to do that. You just go, yeah, man. Yeah. And it takes a lot of wind out of most people's sails. Out of most people. Some people, you know, doesn't. But but for most people, that's what it works. And if Drita would just go and go, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Obviously, this is what happened. I didn't, you know, I should have called you, man. And I didn't for a lot of reasons. One, I just didn't, I thought you were gone and weren't coming back. And it just seemed weird for me to, to like call you. I thought you were in Arizona. I didn't know that you were still in fucking New York and shit. Although, I'm sure, I don't know why you didn't know. I'm sure you guys cross each other's paths all the fucking time, but whatever. And, um,. It was fucked up, man. And then, like say, I know I heard you were pregnant, and then I was pregnant, and I was just like, <sighs> I was just like, I just had a lot of shit to worry about. And then, remember, as soon as she got pregnant with Aaliyah, Leah goes to prison. So, and then, so by the time I'm like, we're getting together and everything, we got pregnant right away. I'm pregnant. I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. Talking to Karen. And then next thing, you know, Lee's in prison. I got other things to worry about. But if I could go back in time, I definitely would do would do that. Is there anything... Can we move forward with this? Is there anything I can do to help us move forward with this at this point? Or is it done? And at this point, if Karen is the one that keeps it going, then Karen's in the wrong. So now all of a sudden, you're in the right. Just fucking admit it. I, I just... I think that's the problem. I think Drita will not admit it. Like, every, she, she's over here trying to count on her fingers. She's bringing out her phone calculator, trying to do math and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is this. You were significant friends with Karen while she dated Lee. You knew she dated Lee. You were up in her face. You were double dating. You lived with Karen for a summer, for a winter, at her grandmother's house when she moved out from Lee. You, she got your jobs. Y'all hung out all the fucking time. And then when Lee and Karen broke up, mm, Lee was looking good to you. All right? And you guys moved on together. Fine. Just say it. I bet you Karen will forgive me. I don't actually remember if, if Drita. Yeah, but like, you always look worse trying to run from shit. Especially if you actually did. I mean, if you didn't do it, you don't have to admit to anything. But figuring out what your part is in it. Even when I'm right, I will be like, you know what? Listen, I was right, right? But I didn't deliver it right. I had a bad fucking attitude. I didn't give you a chance to talk. And, you know, I just, I could have been better about it. People will immediately fucking soften. Immediately. I'm telling you, learn how to fucking apologize. Learn how to apologize. Learn how to make amends. It'll, you'll sleep better at night. You don't have to worry about shit all the time. You have less beef out here, and the beef you do have will be real fucking beef and not some bullshit of somebody didn't say the right thing at the right fucking time. Um, so that's one thing, out the past thing. Now the Ramona shit. So here's the thing. Ramona don't like you, Drita. Ramona has never liked you. Karen said Ramona didn't like 
Drita, when Drita was, before any of this happened, when Drita was first hanging around, she thought Drita bragged too much. She thought Drita was ghetto. She thought, I mean, this is not what she said in the book. I'm just inferring from the way they talk about it. She thought Drita was ghetto. She thought Drita was, you know, all kinds of shit, you know? And she just wasn't one of us. She ain't never liked you. But if Karen wants to make up with you, she will, Drita. And you don't worry about Ramona. Now, Nicole's like, how are you going to make up with Karen if you hate her best friend slash fake cousin? I don't know. That ain't none of my business. I don't fuck with Ramona. Ramona has been personally to me. I don't fuck with Ramona. I don't, I'm talking about Karen. Karen and I used to be friends. And Ramona and I have never been friends. Yeah, that's how I would handle it. Um, so Karen and Ramona go to play pool and Karen is cheesing and looking all happy and glowing because she definitely fucked Dave. And she said it was good. She said she had an orgasm like she doesn't normally have them. Tragic. And, you know, Ramona says that for the first time. Well, Karen says this, I think, that for the first time. They're not being forced into a situation or coming back from jail. What she's saying is like when they were fucking with each other at first, it was real casual. And then she got pregnant and or he got her pregnant, however you guys want to fucking say it. And then they're kind of like jumped into a relationship. He moved states and everything and all that stuff. And then the other is he just got out of jail probably two years ago or maybe a year ago. Um... Ramona says that Karen's hesitant because every relationship she's ever had either ended badly or didn't work out or they went to jail. And I was like, mm, isn't that every relationship? And I'm not saying that, but like either a relationship goes on or doesn't work out. Some of them end badly and some people go to jail. That's like every relationship. I don't know. So Joe and Carla meet up at the gym and he admits he has a girlfriend. She says he's probably ni- she's probably 19 and it's going to change the next day. He says it's different. He's seeing her exclusively. He's not in the bar scene. Carla says that he jumped in quick and he should have spent the time with his kids. And since when does he want to be in a relationship when they were together, he only wanted to be single. <laughs> Carla is making some points. However, this is not about the kids. Um, he's like, that was 10 years ago. I'm old now. I'm 42. I want someone to take care of me. Yo, men do this shit all the fucking time. You know how they say men grow up in the 40s and 50s? No, they don't. They don't grow up in their 40s and 50s. They need someone to take care of them and themselves in their 40s and 50s. And that is why a lot of men, a lot of real fuck boys who grow up to be fuck men <laughs> settle down in their 40s and 50s. And a lot of times they already, they've already been married once, right? Fuck that shit up, being a fuck boy. And the second family... Is, is the is the family they actually are around for, right? And the reason is, is because men in their 40s and 50s need someone to take care of them. They're looking for some, they, they you know, they, if they got their own place, they don't know how to cook for themselves. They got one raggedy leather couch in there, no towels, no condiments in the fucking refrigerator. Sheets are as roughish. And, and they're like, and they feel lonely, Right? Because that's not a home. I mean, now, I I'm, I'm bet you I'm about to get a fucking a bunch of messages from somebody with one raggedy leather couch, no condiments in the refrigerator, and rough sheets talking about, my house is a home. Fine, it's a home for you. But for people in their 40s and 50s, it doesn't, it's not the home most of us envision, okay? And everything that makes a home 
women mostly do. And, or the things are, are, let me go back because I want to be clear. I want to use good language to be clear. The things that make a home comfortable and home are things that are considered feminine traits or feminine pursuits. Okay. So straight guys like Joe from Staten Island don't bake apple pies, right? They don't make Thanksgiving dinners. They don't have candle warmers, scent warmers. They don't have, they don't, they don't know that the cheapest towel is not the best towel. These bitches out here buying one ply toilet paper because they're men. And they're a certain type of man that is socialized to act like this, okay? So I'm gonna go back to when I was talking about women in their late 30s and early 40s and even into their 50s that are not partnered, don't need to be partnered. Do you understand? Because by then you have, you figured out like your financial situation, like being partnered in your early 20s and stuff um, makes a lot of sense because two incomes is better than one and you guys can live in one bedroom. <laughs> I, I say this all the time. People ask how I make things work. Part of it is I have two incomes. I'm partnered. And when I was younger and broker, we could stay in a one bedroom apartment and it was cheaper. It was cheaper for us to live together. It was cheaper for us to, to eat together. It was cheaper to do things that way. And so financially, it was the route to take. But if I were in the same situation in the financial situation I am now, no. <laughs> and I think a lot of women feel that way. Women in their as they get older, not only now they're fi- they're financially in or at least in a stable place. And or at least in a place where they can take care of themselves, right? That they can that they can get through the fucking day. Um and all the things that make a home are considered feminine things. So a woman in her early 40s is likely to have throws on her couch and condiments in her refrigerator and probably makes, can, even if she's a takeout queen, knows how to uh, make a few things at home and or knows how to feed you and knows how to like make sure you have a good time, know, has her shit set up and men are like I said are drying themselves with a hand towel because that's all they fucking have that they got from their mother's house or something and so that's why guys like Joe in their 40s and 50s settle down and women in their 40s and 50s are less likely to because what the fuck they need you for And the reason he settled, he's got this 20-year-old girl is because she don't know no better. And we'll talk more about that. <laughs> Joe is an, is an ex-felon who just got out of prison, is an ex-con who just got out of fucking prison. Um, it was a financial crime, so I'm assuming he was doing federal time for six years. Just got out of a halfway house and is rebuilding his life. Some, with the exception of Carla, who he has a relationship with children with, some woman in her late 30s, early 40s ain't gonna go for him. 
Well, maybe she will. But a lot of them won't. Because they're going to be like, why am I going to take on this problem? But some girl in her 20s is like, he's cute. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of my dad. <laughs> yeah, I'll come over and make macaroni and cheese for you. Like, yeah. They don't know no fucking better. It, that, it's like, all of what's happening makes a lot of sense. But Joe says something to uh, Carla that I was like, hmm, good point. He's like, he's like, I never said anything to you when you had a boyfriend. I never criticized him. I never, because that was your business and this is my business. And I'm like, yeah, man, you're right. And Carla's like, one, one boyfriend. I was like, okay, but Carla, when you, whether you're dating right now or whether you're dating in the past, that was your business. And it's none of Joe's business unless it involves Joe's kids. And I'm sure your boyfriend was around Joe's kids, right? Okay, and Joe was in prison and had to trust your judgment, and he did. And in, and if he did give you shit about it, now's a good time to speak up about it. But she doesn't say that. See, here's the thing. It's not about the fucking kids. It's not about the kids. If it was about the kids, if it, then we wouldn't start off with this I know you got a girlfriend. I bet she's young. I bet you're some waitress. But that's not that's not what it's about. See, if it was about the kids, if you if you didn't have any attachment to Joe at all, you weren't worried about him having a girlfriend. You would say, um, "I understand that you got to live your life like, and you're out here. You you have to get a, you've got to work. You got to figure out where you're gonna like. This is like he's rebuilding his life, which is a lot of stuff to do. Okay." And he's got to make sure he don't fuck around with nobody that he used to fuck with before. Because they're usually all fucking criminals and he'll go back to fucking prison. So not only is he rebuilding his life, he can't rely on any of the skills he's developed. Um, because it's insider trading, I'm imagining he can't work in the field he was working in before. He can associate with those people. He's, he's really starting from fucking scratch. So it's work. Okay, I mean, he did it. It's, it's, this is what he got to do. Fine, fine, fine. I'm not crying for Joe. But I would say, listen, I know that you're busy and everything, but the kids really missed you. And now that they're back, they really is so, they assumed that they were going to get a lot of time with you and they were getting a lot of time with you. And now you're kind of piecing out on them. So why don't you and I, let's, let's come up with a schedule. Something that's like consistent so that, Little Joey, I don't know, I assume his name is Joey. Little Joey knows that he's going to see his daddy on every other Friday evening. He knows he's going to see his daddy. And all I'm asking, Joe, is that if you and I make, you and I make a decision together, make, come up with a schedule together, that you stick to it unless there's an emergency. Okay? And emergencies are rare, not common. So remember that. That's what I'd say to him. And then I'd ask him what's good for him. Because the thing is, it's good for me to keep my kids all the time. I had them all the time for the last six years. So what's good for you, Joe? Do you want to do, is every other weekend good? Friday through Sunday, you bring back Sunday. Do you want to, what's your work schedule like? Because, you know, some people work nights. Some people work, you know, let's figure it out together. And then whatever we agree to, I'm going to ask you to stick to it. Because, and and I would never bring up his girlfriend. Or except to say, I know you see your girlfriend and everything, until I meet her, would you mind that she's not around when the kids are there? Or if for some reason y'all run into her somewhere and it wasn't planned that you don't call her your girlfriend until I meet her and stuff because I, I want to be able to talk to the kids about it. But that's probably the most I talk about it. because. But I would do that because I don't want to be back with Joe. 
I personally, I agree with Carl. Like, if I were Carl, I would have fucked Jill at least three, four, five times maybe. Okay? But I would not have gotten back together with Jill for nothing. Because it wasn't good. I mean, I, I'm going to do the good part, which was the sex and the rest of it. You, you do that. And then if my main concern is my children, then that's what I talk about. Now, what Carla's not saying and what people probably aren't thinking about is that in a lot of ways it's easier to be a single parent. Hold up. Before you start, before you start, type it to me. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not saying that being a single parent is easy. Being a single parent is hard. Because when you have a partner, you often have a built-in support system. Not always. Some people have partners and no fucking support. But being a single parent, you have to create a support system. You have to create a community for your kids, a village for your children, of people that you can lean on, that you can that that you can rely on, that that are, can be a part of your children's lives. Okay. But when you are a single person, single parent, you don't have to ask anybody for anything. You don't have to say... Should should little Joey go to soccer? Because you decide. You decide. Not anybody else. And so you don't have to run your decisions past anybody. And when I say single parent, I mean a real single. I'm not saying that people who share custody aren't real single parents. But I mean somebody, a single parent that does not have like a shared parenting plan with somebody else. So it's easier that way. So you make all the decisions. You don't have to check with nobody. You're in control of everything. And especially at her age, um... At her kid's age, it's really the time that you're starting to do less and less control over stuff, right? And Joe being back means Carla has less control than she used to have because Joe was in prison. So you know how when Drita be asking Lee about whether they get the puppy and all that type of shit? Those are rhetorical questions because what the fuck? (laughs) What is Lee going to do about it? And yeah, so even though, you know, her kids have had a father all these years that they cared about and that they knew about and everything, she was in control of everything. And now she's not. And there's some anxiety towards that. And Carla's not voicing that. There's some anxiety because now I have to send my kids off with this guy. And I know Joe's not going to hurt my kids, but I don't know where my kids are going. I don't know who they're going to be around. I don't know if they're going to be around a different girl every week. I don't want my kids thinking that that's, that's like, that they're, I don't want my kids thinking of my dad, that, of their dad that way or seeing their dad that, that way. I don't, like, what house are they going to? What's the house like? It's, you know, all things that you care about and you wonder and, and, and you ask about, you know. But I just feel like, She's not saying that. Um, so it's not that I don't think she cares about the kids at all. She does. She does. Those are her kids. She cares about them. But I think that she's not acknowledging that it's not just the kids. It's about loss of control. It's also about the girlfriend. It's also like she really thought he'd get out and be single. I don't know why. <laughs> He wasn't, he, he, she, he get out and not date. He, he didn't stop dating when he married you. So why would he stop dating? He, come on, man. And, and I'm on Carla's side. I'm on Carla's side. I just don't think we're voicing what the real problem is. And I think that when we say what the real problem is, people really respond to that. Especially people who care about us. And Joe cares about Carla. Joe loves Carla. I can tell. He, he does. Um, is she annoying to him? Especially, like, he's mad at her right now. Because probably because they've had a couple of fights over the phone and shit. And now they're coming to film this. 
But yeah, but I think he cares about her a lot. And if she had said, I just really worried because I've been doing everything by myself and I'm, and I've been protecting these kids by myself and everything's been going through me. And now I'm having to give up a little bit of control and I want to, and I trust you, but also I am worried because when they're with me, I know they're good. I know that, but now I have to think about this. Even when they were together, like, like I said, her kids are in high chairs when they went, when he went away. Even when they were so small, they were probably always with her. He probably never left with these twin babies and didn't come back for three days. That never happened. He might not have come back for three days, but he left the kids there. And I would say that to Joe. And I'd say, and also, I'm a little jealous right now because you got out of prison and I didn't think that you were going to, like, go be with somebody right away. I thought you were going to, like, fill your time with your kids and stuff. And you were around and then, you, and, you know, you've been gone for six years and then you were around a lot and that was great. And now you're gone more. And I don't know, it's hard. And it would be nice if Joe could say to her, man, I'm lonely. <laughs> I mean, I think Joe would say that to her. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. I've been in prison, man. Now I'm out. Everybody that I know has like moved on six years plus. You got your own thing. The kids, I do like being around them, but they go to fucking school. They... <laughs> They have friends and shit. It's, and then I'm just alone in a fucking studio apartment in Staten Island with a raggedy leather couch, and I don't want to be by myself. I want to sleep with somebody at night. I want somebody to wrap their legs around me at night. I want somebody who knows how to make good sauce and noodles. I want to know. <laughs> I want. I want somebody to sit on the couch with me and watch this new thing I just heard of called Netflix. <laughs> I don't know what Netflix is doing. But you understand, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be by myself. I've been by myself in a bad way. I, I want to be, I want somebody. And it ain't going to be you. <laughs> so you, you said no. So I got to figure it out. <laughs> and I feel like if Joe could say it that way, like, listen, I don't want to be by myself and you don't want me. So I got to, I'm 42. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to and I think Carla could hear that. I think Carla could see that and be like, oh, shit. Like, Carla's not lonely. Carla's got family all around her. Carla's got those kids. Carla's got friends. She goes to the gym all the time. People probably hit on Carla all day. Pe Carla, Carla can get any kind of date she wants. Carla's so fucking beautiful. Carla can do fine. I just bet, like, she she's like, even when Joe was gone and she was like, what the fuck am I going to do? I bet Carla still wasn't lonely. Anyway, I like, you know, well, well, here I am. Like, if they would just talk to, yeah, everything will work out if they just talk to each other. But that's how I feel about everything. And that's why I talk so fucking much. And that's why I tell people what I'm feeling. And I'm straightforward, people. And I will just send a text that says, uh, hey, you know, I got a feeling you're mad at me. I just want to clarify, are you mad at me? Like, I just, because I just, I hate Three's Company, guys. I hate shit. I hate the gift of the Magi. I hate when people leave things unsaid and assume things and then do things. And it's the exact wrong things. If I were in Three's Company, every episode would be seven minutes long. Because as soon as I peeped out the kitchen and thought I saw something, I go, what y'all doing out there? <laughs> what y'all doing? Oh, okay. 
that's what I do. <laughs> as soon as I overheard someone saying something, that sounded wild. Like, I don't know, they were going to murder me. So I'd open the door and be like, y'all going to murder me? I thought I heard, did, I just, I was just listening to the door. Y'all, are you talking about killing me? That And, that, and they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, okay. I was, um, so only murders in the building, um, just finished and it finished on a cliffhanger. And I was like, that's, listen, only murders is not, I saw a tweet a while back that was like, um, things aren't good or bad. You just vibe with them or not. And I, I really vibe with that tweet. So like, I'm not saying physical is a bad show. I'm not saying only murders is a show. I'm saying I vibe with only murders and I don't vibe with physical. And even though I had a lot of problems with, with only murders, the most, the, the most, the biggest problem I have is them, um, recording their podcast in on the go in a digital recorder, uh, bruh, every podcast reviews are full of people complaining about the audio. Oh, I can only hear that. I, I just want to see their fucking reviews. With you guys just screaming into a fucking digital recorder and putting that in. But other than that, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know a lot about Selena Gomez. I don't know if that's her actual voice. But I was like, that's what Selena... I, maybe I've never heard Selena Gomez talk. I don't know. But it was fine. It was a cozy mystery. I enjoyed it. An issue I have. And if you don't watch Only Murders... You won't know what I'm talking about. If you do, you will. Half of the story is about how Selena Gomez's character and three of her friends used to sneak around this building and sneaking in out of people's room, a house, um, apartments. And they called themselves the Hardy Boys, like taking on mysteries and shit. And one of the other girl in the group is pushed to her death off the building. And her friend, one of her friends, Tim Kono goes, did she, she's like, did you see her fighting? He, he's, she, he says he saw her fighting with someone. And she goes, was it Oscar, which is the other guy? And he goes, no. And then she walks off. Selena, uh, ask him who? <laughs> Ask him who. <laughs> the, half the fucking, half the, uh, 40% of the mystery, we could have we could have skipped if you had said who. Because in that moment, he would have told you. And then later, he, he you know, some things have gone down. But, the, but guess what? I'm the person that always says who. I'm the person that always go, what's that? I'm the person that says, hey, I saw you tweeting this. And I think that's about me. Is that about me? <laughs> And people will lie to you sometimes and say no or whatever, but I came to you and I said, I don't know. I just felt like it was about me because of this, this, and this. And I like, I like things smoothed out. I like mystery solved. I don't like things left unsaid. I don't like that sort of stuff. And it makes me, you know, I always talk about how I don't like to be a vulnerable person, but and I don't, I like, I, uh, vulnerability scares me. But that said, I do like to put my cards on the table. 
because if nothing, you know where you stand with me. And I prefer to know where I stand. And I understand that, like, the majority of the world doesn't work that way. But I believe that if Joe and Carla could say what they actually fucking feel, because they care about each other. I know that they do. These aren't strangers on the street or people who don't give a fuck about each other. Then the two of them could work out probably anything. Like, I don't think Joe wants Carla to feel worried about those kids. And I don't think Carla wants Joe to be lonely. And I don't think Carla wants to wants to scoop Joe up and take care of him. I don't think she wants to. I think that, that if Joe said that he was lonely, he just wanted somebody, I think Carla would go, hey, you're going to have to find somebody because I'm busy. <laughs> And I think she tell all her girlfriends, yeah, because he's lonely, <laughs> you know? And she does go, um, she does go because um, Carla decides to get a puppy. It's a Jack, it's a Jack Russell puppy. I almost said Jack Daniels. And his name is Elvis. I'll allow it. I like human names. Elvis was a human. Um, uh, I... Did Carla cave and get a puppy because Drita got a puppy? And I do remember watching this in real time and being like, is everybody going to get a fucking puppy? Because first little Louie with Big Ange, then Lucky with uh, Drita, then um, then Elvis. But this was a time when people were just getting like little dogs. I mean, I don't think Elvis is going to be that little. but um, So they all meet in the park for a play date. She says they're all done with the men right now, so the puppies are a nice substitute. Um, Carla tells him about Joseph's girlfriend. Drita gasps because Joe has a girlfriend. I'm like, Drita, Joe had girlfriends while he was married to Carla. <laughs> Joe likes to have a girlfriend. Um, uh, apparently the girl's like, like I said, she's like 20, 21. And they're like, what? When he was going to the club in his 20s, she was either not born or sucking on a pacifier. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And Carla says that in a couple of months there will be someone else because that's Joe. And Drita did like she talks to us in the in the in the um in the talking in the the talking heads and she's just like, yeah, like obviously he's dating a young girl because they're stupid. And like if you're a very if you're like in your early twenties and you're listening to this, I don't know how you found this podcast to be honest, um, but. I'm not saying that you are a stupid person. I'm saying that life experiences really toughen us up, smarten us up. And at 20, you don't have a lot of life experiences. And so a lot of men, older men, look like something when they're not. And as you get older, you'll, you'll be able to be able to say, I'm not interested in doing that. And at 20, you don't always know that. Um, and also at 20, because you have lots of time on your hands and you shouldn't be serious. Like if someone's 20 years old, you should be like fucking and dating whoever the fuck you want. You should be doing whatever you want. And so dating some guy who's 42 and just like fucking around with him and like hanging out in a shitty apartment and playing with his kids and stuff, like is not a big deal. But when you're 32 and then later 42, you have to ask yourself, like, time is finite. And what am I doing with this time? 
Like, I'm going to die. Well, I don't know when, but I know it's going to fucking happen. And am I going, do, do I actually want to spend three to four years hanging out with this dude and his kids who just got out of prison and, like, taking care of him and helping him not be lonely? When I'm, the difference between 20 and fucking 24 is huge. And the difference between 38 and 42 ain't that big. Right? It's just like the difference between 8 and 12 is a whole other fucking world. And so who you are at 20 is not anywhere near who you are at 24, which is why people shouldn't get married when they're fucking 20. It's why you shouldn't have to make lifelong decisions when you're 20 years old. It's why you should wait to have kids and wait to make decisions and, and make yourself, your life flexible enough that you can just be like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. And then you don't have to. But things like getting married and having kids are like permanent solutions to temporary wants and needs. I digress. Um, so when Drita's like, 20 year olds are stupid. I think that sometimes when we say stuff like that, people who are in their late teens, early 20s think it's either people hating on them or people just like dismissing them. And nobody likes to be dismissed. Nobody likes to be be batted away like they're insignificant. What Drita actually means is that you don't know any better and you will know better. Just... It's going to take some time. So we all dated somebody that was too old for us. That was, we've all dated people that were wrong for us. We've all dated, we've all wasted our time with people and didn't even have a good time while we were doing it. You know, it's not wasting your time if you had a good time, okay? Because the point is to have a good time. But we've all wasted our time and had a bad time and, and stayed too long when we should have left or, you know, we've all done that. Anyway, just to my 20 year old listeners. All none of you. <laughs> so David Karen meet up. He says, I, he's saying, I still got it. And he, <laughs> and she's like, you still got it. I was like, you guys really fucking fucked. <laughs> he must have thrown you in there and caught you with his dick, Karen. <laughs> There's You girl, you were acting turnt out. <laughs> she must not have had sex in a while. But she not, is, has Karen not had sex since she left Arizona? Hmm. He admits he's been dating. Karen says she's going to smash his face in. <laughs> and then she says she hears him, but, he, but if he puts a bitch in, in my bed, she'll kill him. Because I guess she's living in, he's living in her place. Remember, he's living in her place uh, while uh, she, with Karina while he's there. While she's there. She says they're friends and they like each other. She says that when they, that when he went to prison, they were on a high note. They were just engaged. They had a baby. And then they were co-defendants and then he was gone. So in her book, she does not talk a lot about how Dave got involved with this ecstasy ring. By the way, she contends that her father was not a part of it. I feel like he didn't run it, but I feel like because, like I said, I want to read some impartial, like, timelines of what happened because... Even the way she told it, it sounds like he funded something. And he showed up to some stuff. Mostly to, get, to keep her brother Gerard from, from like being in over his head. Uh, and, but if he funded something, he was a part of the, the drug ring. I'm sorry, that's what he was. Um, I can understand you being frustrated that 
they turn it into Sammy the Bull's drug ring if he just gave someone $5,000 to handle something. like. But if you're funding things, you're funding things. But so she doesn't talk about how Dave got involved. Dave did 10 years. Sammy got 20, a little less than 20. I think her brother got like three. So what did Dave do? And this is through the plea deal. And she got probation. This is through. And I. So like, she's always like, it was, we were never a drug ring. We're never this. Her mother, all her mother's shit assets got taken. But some money had to get mixed. For them to be able to take her mom's house, her mom's restaurant, all this stuff. And I can understand because with the restaurant and stuff, she was partners with Gerard. And also one of the dudes was like investing money, the one of the drug dudes. So I can understand how you get there. But the house, how did that go? Anyway, like some of the stuff had been bought years before they said that drug ring even started. So that was like frustrating. I understand, but I want to know how Dave gets involved in it. And if Gerard, who everyone agrees this started and radiated from Gerard, Gerard was was hanging out with this drug guy, was selling drugs with him, was doing these these things. He wasn't a kingpin, but he was doing things with him. And Gerard gets like three and five years, and fucking Dave gets ten. Now Dave also had just gotten out of prison like a few years earlier. So, and Gerard has never been to prison. And Gerard's white, and Dave is black. But I still want to know what Dave did. Like, what did what they get Dave on? You don't have to tell me what he did. Tell me what they, tell me what they said he did. So, so I can understand. Um, so Karen tells Dave that it was stressful when he was gone, that she had to, you know, she had to take care of Karina. Karina was a small baby with colic when she, when, when they were arrested. And, you know, you got to get through the trial. I mean, she's probably, she's, she might've been fucking two years old when they, when the trial finally got through. Um, and he doesn't want to talk about that. Dave says that he's, that he spoke to Karina and he and she asked him when they were getting back together. Guys, she's twelve. Tell her to mind her business. Do not involve her in this because one, you guys aren't going to stay together. I know this because I used to watch the show. But also, I know this. Like I, I, I didn't need to watch the show to know you guys weren't going to stay together. You guys weren't going to stay together ever. The reason you guys were engaged because she was pregnant, and you and Dave wanted to be knew how important it was for her family. And so, and it was already, everybody was worried because he's black. <laughs> Karen says that her father did not care that Dave was black or whatever. But Karen was really scared, which means Karen knows her father. So she already knew her father's probably used the N-word. Her father's probably had something to say about black people. Like, in her book, she's like, my dad said, I don't have a racist bone in my body. Girl, when people say that shit, they're usually filled to the brim with racism. And so, <laughs> so, but like, the fact that you were terrified to fucking tell him that Dave was black means means that he gave you reason to believe that being pregnant by a black man was unacceptable. Okay? Okay. So don't don't give me that shit. Um but so he got they got engaged and stuff cuz he wanted to show her, her family that she that he was serious and that he knew it was important to them and everything. And 
Yeah, they'd only. I feel like he moved. She was pregnant and he moved to Arizona. She had the baby and then he was arrested. So they were only like together together. So it takes a while to figure out you're pregnant too. They're maybe only together for like six, seven months. Maybe the baby was a few months old. I'll let her say eight months to a year. And then he went to prison. And maybe they stayed together while he was first in prison, but I don't think they stayed together much longer after that. Maybe she held him down, but that doesn't actually mean we're together. And like held down means I answer your phone calls and I put some money in your book sometimes. It doesn't mean that I uh, don't see anybody. But I mean, she's got a small kid. I don't fucking know. But like they haven't really been together. And so I understand why 12-year-old Karina thinks her father got out of prison and now they're going to be together and they're going to be a happy family. I understand why she thinks that. But there's a reason 12-year-old Karina ain't in charge of shit. You guys should have shut that shit down and you should never even pretend like y'all are going to get back together. If y'all do get back together, let her know the day you get married. (laughs) Do not get her hopes up. (laughs) Just keep it away from her because you're going to fucking hurt her. You're going to hurt her. Dave's not even sure he wants to come back to New York. He said he has a job in Arizona and he's just not sure. I wouldn't be sure either. Guys, Dave is in a position where he's got one kid. He's probably got an apartment and he's probably working, I don't know, construction. He's a plumber. He was a plumber when um when he moved to Arizona the first time. So maybe he's got, maybe he's, you know, he's got a plumbing license or some shit. So, um, like, in that position, I just had to pack my car and move to New York. That, I could definitely, I used to do that all the time when I was younger. But now, you know, you guys, because in the spring, I have to decide what I'm going to do. Um, whether I'm going to buy a house around here, whether I'm going to move back east, what am I going to do and how? And there are so many moving parts. I have multiple children, my husband's job, my job. When I was a freelancer, I just like would take two days off and move to a new state. <laughs> Put my dog and my shit in my little Honda Civic and be out. <laughs> because it didn't matter. I could work anywhere. It doesn't matter. But like there are so many moving parts to think about that I'm like, I'm actually giving myself stomach aches sometimes thinking about, like, if this, then that. And what about this? And that would be the timeline for that. But that's only if we do it this way. And blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's, like, I'm stressing myself out about it. Because I have to make the decision. Because my husband is not going to make the decision. He told me. He told me he goes where I go. Just let him know when to put his notice in his job. And when to have his shit packed. He goes where I go. That's what he says. Which is a lovely thing sentiment to say. Except for he is not participating in the process. Because he doesn't want to. He wants me to make the decision. But if I make the decision, everything that happens afterwards is my fault. You see what I'm saying? So, and if next year, and next spring, sometime between March and May, March and June is, is what I'm shooting for. If I buy another house here in Texas, I live here in Texas. And that'll be it. I, this is where I'm going to be living for the foreseeable future. And if I take that leap and move back east, um, I am responsible for... Um, either way, I'm responsible for everything else because I made a decision. So, like, it's a hard, hard decision. And I envy Dave. 
Even though Dave is like, I don't know what to fucking do. Like, if I were Dave, I'd be like, okay, so how do I work in New York? If he's doing plumbing, does he need a license to plumb? I think he needs a license to plumb. And where am I going to live? It's a higher cost of living. They live in the suburb of Phoenix. They, not in Phoenix, but like out in the suburbs. So obviously Staten Island is cheaper than Manhattan, but it's more expensive than Phoenix. I mean, than, than the suburbs in Arizona. There's always, there's tons of construction work out there, just like in Vegas and shit like that. And there's always new shit popping up and cheaper. Like it's, like, where am I going to live? Am I going to live in this rented apartment with Karen? Like, uh, who do I know in Queen? Like, I don't know. I, like, but it, for Dave, if Karina lives with Karen and he's not with Karen, he's got, like, three questions to answer. Where am I going to work? Where am I going to live? How do I get there? And then he's just got to put a notice in on his apartment, wait for his lease to be up on his apartment, put notice in his job, and be out. That's it. And I kind of envy that because, like, one thing, my kids, all my kids are adopted and they all have adoption benefits because of various reasons. So I would have to work with the state of Texas to make sure that the benefits continue um, as we leave to another state. And it's a little complicated with reciprocity and things like that. And then um, all my kids can go to college free here in the state of Texas as long as they're going to a public school and they get in on their own merit. Then the state will pay for them because they're former foster kids in certain, which they meet certain criteria. And if I left here, like I don't know that all my kids are going to college. A few of them I don't think are going to go at all. Their, their aspirations just don't leave there. And they don't have to either. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, if you don't go to college. But if I stay here, I just think it's awesome if I could give my, do something my parents can do for me, which is like make sure that I gave my kids space to, to live at home and go to school for free. And hopefully we'll have car situations sorted in high school. And so... They just get to go to school and work part-time at the library for a shitty little check that they fuck around with on gas and beer or whatever, as opposed to having to figure out how they're going to eat. I was so stressed out in college the entire fucking time. And they can just work on, they can work like a little part-time job and just go to school and know that, I mean, I'll just go home. My mom's got a sandwich there. My mom cooked tonight or my mom's going to order a pizza or I'll just tell my mom I'm hungry and she'll like buy more hot pockets or some shit. And I'll just, I'll have my own room and I can just stay at home and drive to fucking college and not have to pay a single fucking thing at all and just focus on what I want to do. That would be awesome. But if I live in another state, they have to, um, fly back to do something like that. And it makes things a little more complicated, but you know, but that's future shit. And I know some people will be like, well, why are you so worried so far in the future? Because that's the gig, guys. That's the gig. First of all, that's the type of person I am. I didn't earn many badges in the Girl Scouts, but a bitch stays prepared, okay? So I'm always thinking three or five steps on. But also, 
this is this is what I have to do for my family. I have to be thinking about things. I have to make choices based the best choices I can make for now for the future. And yeah, like I wish I was Dave. <laughs> I wish I was Dave. I wish I packed three suitcases and put it in the back of the Civic and just moved the fuck on. But that's not really how things go right now. Hmm. I felt very jealous of him in that moment. Or even even I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm like, okay, well, answer three questions and you'll know. Um. Karen says that she missed him and he says how much and then he goes this much and he puts his tongue so far down her fucking throat I know he tasted what she had for dinner last night I know he did and <laughs> he's just eating her face guys and when they're done Karen's hair is all over her face she looks rough <laughs> and she goes that much <laughs> Her voice is wild. I'm like, damn, girl. <laughs> he is giving it to you. <laughs> so Renee goes to do a radio show called Lockdown Love to talk about her drama. Um, Renee looked very skinny walking in there. It made me question the timeline of the shooting of this. Um, it also made me think like, so I bet Renee, Renee's already been depressed. She was super depressed. When Junior was there. Because she just felt something bad was coming. Also she knew the shit wasn't working. She was trying to force a square peg into a round fucking hole. And it wasn't working. And so that and then all the distress afterwards. I'm like I don't think Renee's eating. I I worry about Renee. She just looked very skinny. Um, She says the host is a good friend. And she's the only person she'd do this interview with. Okay Renee. I... I just don't believe people were clamoring down, like knocking down her door to do interviews with her. Like it was a big story for people who care about those types of stories, but I don't know. Larry King wasn't like, let's get Renee on here. So Renee says that Junior pursued her in the beginning and she thought she had the fairy tale, but he's the worst kind of snitch and he needs to die in prison. (laughs) So she's, she, girl, she looks serious. I'm scared of her when she's talking. And, she wore, he said, she says he wore a wire in his watch and went to her mother's house to record. And I understand what she means by that, that same what Karen was talking about it, that like cooperating with the feds and saying what you know is slightly different than actually wearing a wire and going to try to get people to say things so people can hear it. Um... And the idea that he went into her mother's house to do this is, I understand it feels disrespectful, but unfortunately that's where your dad was. (laughs) Your dad, the criminal. (laughs) And that's where he was talking about criminal enterprises. And so, you know, I'm sorry for your mother, but there was a criminal in there (laughs) and it was your dad. I... You guys know how I feel. I, the, the man did it. I I think that obviously um, there are very few victims here. I think AJ would probably be one of the blameless victims here. And that although I don't think what Junior did was honorable, I just don't think that when you commit crimes, you can count on people to be honorable with you. Because if they were honorable, they probably wouldn't commit crimes with you. That's all. Um... 
She says that if she ever saw him, oh, she says that he's not a father and he's no man to her and she would spit on him if she ever saw him. A rat is a rat is a rat is a rat is a rat. Okay. The last scene is Drita and she is at home waiting for Lee to be transferred to Brooklyn so the kids can see him more often. She is talking about taking them every week. She says she could do it one week and her mother-in-law could do it the next week. Guys, that is too much fucking prison visiting. <laughs> it's too much fucking prison visiting. Um, recently, from the pod, Liz sent me a TikTok about a guy who was just talking about what, about the benefits, the pros and cons of visiting his father in prison every other week growing up. And that it is possible to have a relationship with an incarcerated parent. And I, I, you know, I had the same experience. And she thought I'd be interested in it because, you know, I have these experiences and stuff. And, um, yeah, I think it's possible to have a relationship with an incarcerated parent. It's just not a typical parent-child relationship. And while when Rain, when Ramona wanted to take Raina to see the boyfriend, I think that fostering that relationship with a man that is not her father... And starting her down the journey of visiting people with prison is not a good idea. It is not a relative. It is not her father. It is absolutely another man that is going to leave her. You know, her father doesn't even speak to her anymore. And I just feel like it's the wrong move. But, um, you know, Aaliyah and Giselle, that is their father. And if he's going to be there another fucking five years... Then yeah, I, I don't, I think it's fine to visit. But one of the things he mentioned was like, going every other week was too much. And here, fucking, um, Trina's talking about going every week. It's, it's too much, guys. Being searched, being patted down by a fucking correctional officer, and sometimes searched by a fucking drug dog, and going into a prison every week, there is, a, there is an emotional weariness from that. Especially as a child. Even when you don't know any better. It can be subconscious. And it's great to see your 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 father or whatever. But also like shit happens there. People fight there. Um, if something happens in the in the visiting room, if he's allowed if I don't know what the type of visits, whether it's gonna be like a phone like across glass or whether it's like in a visiting room. It's a prison, I'm assuming that they're that they're set up for visiting rooms because people are there longer. But I don't I don't know. Um, but like, they have to do counts while you're there. And that's when all the prisoners line up and the guards count them two to three different guards count them and they have to get the same count. And if they do not get the same count, they put the place in lockdown. And that can be scary because they're missing someone. And now we're all a part of this. Um, if something happens where somebody gets upset or violent in the visiting room and that can happen like you're not in you're not in other people's visits and they have to like put somebody down or whatever or like uh drag somebody away or like some sort of that can be fucking scary and it's just not like when do you want to go every sunday you want to spend do y'all go to church if you don't want to spend every sunday doing that you certainly don't want to spend every sunday going to fucking prison and also, a lot of times they don't have visits on Sundays. But it just depends on the institution. They'll let you know. Like, sometimes the prisoners, these prisoners can only get visits on these days. And these, it just depends. 
what the rules are there. But yeah, dude, like, when Drew does the same, I'm like, girl, yeah, every week is too much. And Aaliyah's 12, 11-ish, 12-ish. And Aaliyah's like, I'm sure she's got dance and camp and all this. You already driving her all up and down the fucking street to do shit. And now you got to drive her to prison every week? No, 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 no. This is like the type of shit you think. This is the type of shit she and Aaliyah were talking about, right? At the table, like, and daddy's going to move to Brooklyn. And you'll be able to go. And Aaliyah's like, yeah, we'll go every week. And she's like, yeah, we'll go every week. (laughs) But you're not thinking about driving there, waiting in the parking lot, lining up, dressing correctly, having your personal space invaded. Um, You're not thinking about stuff like that. And... Although I'll say almost all of my experiences visiting my father in prison were not scary, not no problems. My father was in one prison so long, the guards knew me. They would say hello to me all the time. Uh, um, He, like, sometimes he'd make things for me out of wood. I have a jewelry box I move with me everywhere I go that he made for me out of wood and, like, I remember leaving once and this guard kind of being like, hey, 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 hey. And I was like, what? what? What's going on? And he was like, hey, you, uh, your dad wants me to give you this and you need to sign. Like, he wasn't like passing me contraband. He was saying that my dad was releasing something to me. And I had to like sign a paper. I received the goods or whatever. And it was that jewelry box. And he was like, and I opened it there. And he was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, you know, I had seen him making that. You know, <laughs> like I had a very... I have an unusual experience visiting my, I got my first period there, I wrote an essay about it, about how this female guard helped me in the bathroom, because it seemed like I was smuggling drugs, I was in there a long time, <laughs> and, um, like, I've had a very different experience, okay, that said, it didn't come without its trauma and bullshit, and shit I still carry around right now, it's difficult, and... I'm not saying Aaliyah and Giselle shouldn't go. They should go. They should go. I just don't know that Aaliyah and Giselle need to be going every week. I don't think, I don't, you know, um, Drita hasn't taken them enough to realize that what a slog it is. But, you know, these plans are gone because then she gets a letter. And I paused the screen to read the letter. It says that um, he's not going to Brooklyn. He's currently in PA and he's going to McKean. And I don't know where that is or what state or what but um it's set he says it's seven hours away and he can't use the phone where he is in pa but when he gets to mckean he'll be able to call and it says like on friday or so he also needs her to send him money through western union because he has nothing right now he needs to shop and he has nothing right now um so i want to bring up something here not only is drita have to have to like be married to a man in prison, right? So everything she does financially is on her own. And how she has, like I said, I would not be surprised if Drew lived in fucking Jersey. I would not be surprised about that. But then how she has that, um, taking care of those kids and all that shit she's doing. I, when she's married to Lee while he's in prison, she has to do all that. And also Lee is indigent. So, and I know a lot of you are thinking, like, what does he need money for? He needs money. Um, Depending on where you are, what you get paid, what you get fed is 
can be expired, um, moldy, uh, slop. It can be all kinds of things. It's not, it's, it's definitely, you know what? If you've ever, you've gone to school, if you've ever had a public school lunch, bust that down about two notches and that's what they get. And, um, you know, uh, my bio dad has had, um, food poisoning three times in a year easily. And so a lot of people live off of ramen noodles and popcorn and shit like that. But also they give you boots. Well, where my father is, uh, state boots, he calls them, but they're like, that's your issued boots. But if you want to wear something that doesn't cut up your feet and shit, you need to buy it. If you want paper and pencil, you have to buy that to write a letter or borrow it. And if you smoke, although a lot of places they're not allowing smoking anymore, but if you smoke, you need to buy that. Um, in a lot of private prisons, they have, he's, he mentioned being able to email. Um, the private prisons, a lot of private prisons use a system called JPay. And it's where you can email back and forth. And every time you email, it costs a stamp. And so your loved ones will email you. Um, what's the stamp? I think it's like 50 cents or something like that. It costs 50 cents to send an email. It costs another stamp every time you add a picture to it. So, and then they'll ask you, do you want to include a stamp in the reply? So that they can email you back. Because if they don't have a stamp, they can't email you back. Um, that system, they also have JPay tablets, which, um, are probably running some Android make Android is open source. So a lot of shit that you see will run an Android because they can just download the code and monitor and like, uh, change it for themselves for what they need. So it's a tablet that has, that allows the emails. And then see, the other thing is like when you would do more uh, snail mail, you could send pictures and it would take a long time for them to get through because, because the guards have to open it and they got to read the letter and make sure you're not telling them to, to kill the guards or whatever. And then they got to look at the pictures and make sure that they aren't, uh, sexy or promoting drug or alcohol use. Like once I sent a picture of my husband who was out on our like kind of in our back alley when we lived in Queens and he's sitting there having, he's sitting out there with his friend and he's not drinking, but there is a bottle of liquor in the background that I guess his friend had brought. And they sent it back saying he couldn't have it because it had alcohol in it. Um, so they used to do that. And then you'd have the pictures, you'd be able to look at them in your, in your cell. But if you don't have the tablet and people send pictures on through J through the email, my, my bio dad calls it email. Um, but I always tell him it's not really email because I don't have to pay to send email and email shows up immediately, you know, like that. And, and I don't have to go to a kiosk. So there's a kiosk there. If you guys watched Girls Incarcerated, Incarcerated on Netflix, which I recommend, um, they would be on the kiosk. There was drama with the kiosk. And so if you don't have one of those little tablets, you can only see those pictures on the kiosk. So you can't see them yourself. So then you got to buy the tablet. The tablet is... I want to say it's $200. And then like they have games on it and stuff like that, that they charge you to play and you need money to play those games and you need money to send messages from there. 
and anything you want to like some people write on them like you need they, they cost money so but Lee don't have no money Lee doesn't make any money I don't think Lee has a prison job in some private prisons well some I, mean, I keep saying private but they're but I guess it doesn't have to be private in some prisons they let you have a job and they pay you like I don't know three cents an hour something like that um uh, my bio dad used to work in a chair factory. Um, and that's who, that's what made that prison profitable. They would make furniture. The prisoners would make furniture. Um, there was a whole fucking plot line on Orange is New Black about it. But anyway, so he would get money and then he'd be able to buy things. Um, but Lee doesn't, I don't think Lee has a job. So not only does not having Lee out of prison hurt Drita's life she also has to provide for Lee um and she doesn't like if she doesn't provide for him I guess he'll eat the slop or whatever disgusting thing they have that's undercooked or can't identify the meat and shit shit that's the box expired seven years ago (laughs) like yeah but you don't want your loved ones suffering like that so if you can you do and so Dorita's got to send him money for new, for extra socks or paper or fucking chips or whatever. Not only does she have to take care of those kids in the house and do all this shit, and then she's also got to send money. Thank God she's got the show. Like, I, like, I understand why Dorita's on this show. Like, Ramona said she doesn't understand why Dorita's on the show. Dorita's not connected to the mob. Dorita doesn't, Dorita's not Italian. Dorita, I'm assuming Dorita doesn't live in Staten Island. But I understand why Dorita's on the show. She needs the money really badly. So, that's in there. Like, Lee is a burden, okay? Which is why, which is another reason why I don't understand why we asking Lee if we can have a puppy. What Lee gonna do? We, Lee gonna watch the, we're gonna walk the bitch? What are you talking about? It's, <laughs> Lee, Lee gonna pay for some food? No, he's not. Anyway. And it used to, so he said Western Union because that used to be the the way you paid, you sent money to inmates. You could send a money order to, um, to in my, my dad's prison, you couldn't send a check. You could send a money order to, um, to the prison address, and it might take a while to get through there. But if you Western Union, it'd be like paying a bill and it goes straight to it. But this is back in 2012. I'm sure JP signed up this prison too. Anyway, she's pissed. She already told Aaliyah and they already made plans. I, I She didn't specifically say that, but she implied it. And I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm, I understand why she's upset because she just wants her kids to be able to, her kids want to see their father, regardless of whether she wants to see them and she wants to make things like that happen for them. But also, Drew, this on you, man. Nothing's promised to an inmate and leaves an inmate. It's important that you understand that, that you understand that nothing's happened to a fucking happen. And so, and it's a waiting game. Now, you know, fortunately, Lee at this, at, at this point in the show only looks, sounds like he only has like a year, maybe a little less. Um, maybe a little more somewhere in there to come to getting out. And that's great, but he's going to spend that seven hours away apparently. And she needs to be more careful about what she tells 
Aaliyah and what and Giselle. I mean, Giselle's younger. She doesn't really think twice about things, but she really needs to be more careful about what she tells Aaliyah because Aaliyah is um, impressionable. And you've given her a lot of daddy talk and told her how important daddy is and and uh, fostered this relationship, which I understand because it's her biological father and you want and you want her to have that relationship and you don't, you know, you want your kid to have a relationship with people that care about them. I understand that. But you telling her shit before it happens means that sometimes she has to be disappointed. And... It, you might need to let her be disappointed. You might have to just let her have those feelings about the thing and say, you know, this is, and let this be a part of a moment where you can have those conversations with her. This is one of the reasons we don't want to go to prison. We're not in charge of anything. Like, you lose all freedom. You don't get to say where you're going to go. And if he has to spend the next year or so over there, seven hours away, I'll try to take you once every few months. But, I mean, we have to do what we have to do. Um, I, I'd clean it up for her. But I feel like 12's old enough to, like, have those conversations. That, like, like that's what, this is what happened, and, that, and this is why it happened. And this is what it's like when you love someone in prison and you need to think twice, three, maybe even four times before, before you do stuff like this. I would use this as a teaching moment. And I guide her through the feelings, but I let her have them. She needs to. She's old enough to have them. Giselle, I don't know. Get another puppy. <laughs> I'm sure Giselle will be disappointed, but she's so little. They have, like, goldfish memories. Anyway, that is it. I mean, I'm sorry to, to end on a sad note, but, um, you know, sometimes shit is sad. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you are a member of the Patreon, I will, you'll hear from me on Thursday. And Liz has agreed to be on the bonus episode this week talking about celebrity rehab. And if not, I will hear, from, you'll hear from me again next Sunday. Have a beautiful week. Until then.